I like to do fix and flips. And then, you know, I got introduced to this thing called wholesaling. Mm -hmm. Where I can still get this property mm -hmm. for, you know, $50,000. Let's say I can still get this property for $50,000. Right. And I have it at the lowest of the lowest. And mm -hmm. I know that it's really worth. I can sell it for $80,000. And it'd still be a good investment for an investor. Right. Instead of me fixing and flipping and, and putting the 30000 in to make it, you know, fixing it up, let me just go ahead and sell this contract mm -hmm. that I got for fifty, sell it to somebody for eighty, and make my thirty k, and walk away. Instead of the time and the investments of managing crews and, right. and, and all of that type of stuff. Right. Um, and then it taking six months for me to even sell it or whatever. Welcome to The Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Show. And y'all know I don't really do the repeat guest thing, you know. It's a lot of a lot of people out here, you know, who I can get on the show. But when when I get a chance to bring back, you know, some of my my all star guests, I always like it. I think right now we're only at this will be the fourth, the fourth person who has been on the podcast before who we're bringing back for a second time to talk shop. Uh, so today's guest is uh, is a real, a real good friend of mine, more like a brother. Uh, he's also a real estate advisor. Um, so whether it comes to residential real estate, commercial real estate, investing in real estate, he's your guy. And you know, right now everybody is is asking questions about what to do. Is it the right time to invest? Is it the right time to buy? Has real estate felt? the pressure yet and so that's some of the stuff that we're going to unpack today and most importantly do a little a little comparison right i'm the stock guy so we want to really dive in just to see what are the comparisons what are the similarities what are the pros and cons of stocks versus real estate so with no further ado javin dance what's going on man how you doing bro what's going on george man thank you for having me yeah 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 you welcome know, back you know i'm gonna use the sound of effects you know what i'm saying so we we, we lit <laughs> But uh, yeah, man. So what's what's going on, man? Talk to me about this 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 real estate market. How, how from your perspective, from your vantage point? I know you put out a recent report, so if you're on my list, it, you, you probably got that report recently. Um, but tell me about like your perspective right now. There's a lot happening in the world. Uh, how do you see things playing out at a high level from a real estate perspective? Yeah. So I mean, you know, me and you talk um, on a daily basis, and. I wasn't really quick to put out any information just because I really didn't know, you know, and I wanted to really just study and take a step back and just look and see what's going on. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, me and a lot of my partners, we pretty much we're it's a waiting game. You know, right now, yeah. residential sales are still at a high um, and and I based that off of solely we're kind of riding the wave with real estate. It takes three or four months to get these leads in. So we're still having those yep. leads that we've worked on at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, res uh, residential real estate is going really, really well. Um, but I do think that we're going to have a, a swoosh shape 
recovery, right? We know that unemployment is at an all-time high. I'm gonna pause you right there. I mean, you just you just dropped a a, a real intellectual statement, um, but our our you our our listeners might not know what you mean by that. So mm. when you so when you say a swoosh shaped, right. talk to me about that. So it's just the Nike sign. Okay, you, know, you see Fair. the Nike sign. So there's four or five different levels of recovery. So mm-hmm. right now we we're wanting and expecting and hoping for the V shaped recovery, which is the letter V going right. straight down, going straight back up. Right. It's so like a quick like turnaround. Boom. Okay. Right. And then you have a U shaped where mm-hmm. it's you know it goes down, then it's like a slow curve, but it still comes up. You know, mm-hmm. gradually. Then you have the swoosh, which is a little bit longer than the U going to take a little bit longer so i give it three to four years whether it was the one or two years that it would have taken um but needless to say you know for real estate investors like myself we're waiting for the bottom to hit it hasn't happened yet okay people haven't defaulted on loans yet they still are doing the forbearance where they're giving you you know the um they're giving you time, right, four right, or five right. months before they even, you know, take you to foreclosure and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And then we all know if you're in the real estate game, foreclosures could take eight, 12 months before you actually lose your home and it goes back to the bank, which is called right. a REO. That's okay. the time that we're waiting for. Can, so, you, can you tell us what that stands for, REO? Uh, real estate investment owned. Okay. So bank REO, right? So okay. we all know that banks aren't in the game of owning real estate. They want to sell loans right um so once that happens when the banks get it we say 12 to 24 months is when all of that's going to happen that's going to be the time where investors are going to make the bulk of their money you know every every 10 to 12 years we have something like this happen 2000 2008 2009 and i remember just as a quick aside so like i graduated college in 09 me too and so i moved back to charlotte uh, I think so. I graduated in December of '09. I stayed an extra semester, get another degree. Um, I moved back to yeah. Charlotte. Small, small brags. <laughs> yeah, you know, like light, light flex at the time. Um, moved back to Charlotte, and uh, and I'm from Charlotte, and so at the time, like Charlotte was starting to already look a lot different than it did when I was a kid. And so, the matter of fact, not too far from where we're at now, uh, like the Midtown area where like Target is and all that, and those condos over there. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. At the time, those condos were like 186 grand. Mm-hmm. Right, but I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know. Is that a good price? I felt like it was, but I'm just like I'm. I'm fresh out of college. I have no money. I'm contemplating getting my own apartment or living at home with mom, at the time. And so I'm just like, eh, you know, whatever. It seems like they're really nice. I wish I could live here, but didn't think much of it. Fast forward to probably seven years ago, those things spiked up to to half a million. Right. So from your perspective, and you you mentioned earlier about like the bottom hitting and waiting on that. First question is, and I know being a stock market investor, no one can predict the bottom, right? Exactly when it's going to happen. But what is like your indicator is like, okay, I'm comfortable like getting in the game now. You know what I'm saying? The bottom is when for real estate Mm -hmm. um, is when you see foreclosures, when you see the banks actually having the properties back, people have lost it. Unfortunately, you know, it's a bad situation. We never want that. But at the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. Just because of the unemployment rate and all of the people, the 33.5 million aren't going back to work Mm -hmm. when they want to. Hopefully they have reserves and cash saved up, which we we know at large is not not it's not going to happen. Right. Um, So people will lose their homes. And then Mm -hmm. once the bank starts to take over these properties and we see that there's foreclosures and just read you know do your studies right um that's when that's when it's time to get in the game and start buying okay another another kind of top of the head question and again this is stuff that i'm, I'm asking for the benefit of the audience obviously we talk about this every day 
But like, what do you feel like is going to be the residual impact of like the Airbnb situation? Right. Like with all of these like super hosts who got like 15 properties and, you know, they were stuffing it all through the through the window when things are going well. But now it's like, oh, well, is this really a play that I can still maintain? What do, what do you, you think is going to happen with that? And what impacts is that going to have on the real estate market? Well, I, I read an article, uh, not even about Airbnb, but I read an article about American Airlines and their prediction that they won't get back to pre-2019 mm-hmm. um, levels into 2022, mm-hmm. right? So now with the Airbnb, I'm actually going to stay at an Airbnb uh, next next week, you know, for Memorial Day. Yeah, so you so you ready to get COVID, basically. So I'm ready to get COVID, um, <laughs> but... I mean, overall, the long-term effect is people aren't going to be going to stay in Airbnbs like that. And mm-hmm. as you know, the newer ones, you have a mortgage on them. So if you have 15 of them and no one's staying in them, right. you're going to lose some. You know, right. you got to pick, sell them off quick. What's going to happen is they're going to try to sell them off quick. And then there's going to be some suckers that bite, <laughs> which, you know, which, I mean, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm getting a good deal. Yeah. I'll wait until the bank actually gets it. Yeah. Nobody buys it. The bank gets it, and I get it for 30% lower than what you would have bought it for right now if they right. started to sell. Because people are panicking <clears throat> right now. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's yeah, been yeah. two months, almost going on to three, where mm-hmm. people haven't been booking on Airbnbs. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd say six months of reserves that you want to have for the smart investors to right. make sure they have that cash saved up. I don't think everybody's having that, especially if you have 10 to 15 of them. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna lose them, you know. So here's my high level thought, right? I'm not I'm not the expert on that on this. My high level thought is so essentially Airbnb short term rental, right? Which makes sense when when things are going well, people are traveling, you know, you're 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 charging a hundred dollars a day, probably, you know, a hundred percent more than you'd be able to get on a long term rental. What I see, and from my perspective, let me know what your thoughts are. I see that to your point, either gonna try to get them off, right? If there's some suckers that'll bite mm-hmm. on the buy, right? Or they're also gonna just try to make them long-term rentals, right? So it's like, okay, now I'm not trying to figure out if people are gonna travel, but let me just make this a long-term rental. But the, the challenge with that though is, well, not challenge, I guess maybe it's a pro as an investor, is that now there's gonna be this in this surge of supply, right? Which then is gonna have to force the market price to come down because there's more supply. You know, so do you feel like that it might be a potential byproduct of what? Well, I think yes and no. So I think that we will have a, a demand for rental properties. You know, this is for my investors who are looking to do single family homes and stuff like that. We're mm-hmm. going to have a more demand for it just because with this economy crashing and, and the recession, mm-hmm. um, people aren't going to be able to get approved right. like they were. Tighten up on the yeah, like it's going to tighten up on the lending, but they're going to still need the space. They want the house, mm-hmm. so okay, we have the three bedroom, two and a half bath for you. You know, mm-hmm. upstairs, downstairs, two car garage. Right, we can provide that for you. So I still think the demand will be there as people. I mean, right now you have to from a, a FHA uh, loan. It yeah. used to be you can get approved at five eighty. Right, right. Now it's six sixty. Right, mm-hmm. and it just that happened over. Six Damn weeks, yeah, you know, so um, and then you have to have over 20 percent. You have to have 20 percent down for J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, people, a lot of people aren't going to be able to work for us. You know, we'll have that maybe that 15,000, but any kind of investor is not going to be able to get that. So, right. Right. Um, if you're a first time investor. Right. Right. OK. 
Cool. I just wanted to kind of level set with some of the things that I know that even I've been thinking about and other people were thinking about. Now let's get into the, like the, the stocks versus real estate. Okay. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we, and we argue about this all the time, guys. You know, so. yeah. So he, he, not he, even he, an argument. Yeah, just you know, naturally you go to a barbershop and, and, and ask do you need a haircut, they're gonna tell you you need a haircut, right? So he's he's a real estate guy. And if I ask if is it the right time to invest in real estate, you know, nine times out of ten, he's gonna tell me yes, and vice versa with the stock market. So you know, personally, I think there's pros and cons to both. So today we, we, we really want it to be educational in the sense that, you know, because a lot of times what you see, you know, in, in marketing is it has to be sensationalized so that, you know, people can have this polarizing view of what's right. Like if anybody follows Grant Cardone, and I, you got to love Grant, right, one way or the other. But he he is quick to say that he does not like the stock market. Right. I don't I, you know, I don't understand it. You know, it doesn't yeah, make yeah, any sense. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's his deal. Um, and so my my perspective is, I think both have pros and cons. So I want to use this episode to kind of unpack kind of some of the pros and cons of each. So let's start with investing as a whole. So like when I think about investing, I think the the cornerstone of investing is long term investing. I think there's always you know in real estate and in stocks, there's always quick opportunities. There's always ways to come up on a bag. But true investing is. I plan to hold on to this for forever or for a very long time, right? That's 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 the essence of investing. Everything else is kind of like opportunities within investing, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about that, I'm thinking about you know buying blue chip companies, and for those who don't know, blue chip companies are those are the big five. Yeah, hundred. exactly. You know what I'm saying? Those are your your, your Coca Colas of the world, right? Maybe six months ago we might have threw some airlines in there, uh, but not anymore. You know, Apple, IBM, you know those companies that you just know it. There's not even necessarily you don't expect them to grow exponentially. You just expect them to be around and to be solid. Right. That's the essence of long term investing that over time, if you just would have held on to that thing, that the the returns you would have gotten would have been exponential. Right. So that's how it plays out in the stock market. So now what is the most equal comparison in the real estate market? Uh, would be long term rentals, long term rentals, long term rentals. Right. And so, you know, to give Javin to his credit. Because he has been, you know, harping on this for for I'm just give y'all some background to his expertise. So I we like started rocking out for real, like what 2015 ish, mm-hmm. right? Seems long, but like half uh, words are interesting how you can use them. So half a decade ago, uh, five years <laughs> over half a decade ago, but five years ago, and you know back then, you know he was saying things that were right now are coming true, you know. But it's like if you're not willing to look wrong in the short term, you can never really put yourself out as, out as an expert. Because of course, when everything's going perfect, it's like, no, you crazy. Like, price is going up. Like, I, I want to go for the big luxury houses. Like, it makes sense. But he's been preaching affordable housing and just some of the things that, you know, I'm seeing right now that are necessary to sustain this. Even, even trying to help out the real estate agents, right? And helping them understand how to, how to diversify, how to really understand how to survive this, this market and these games when things were going well, right? There's not many people that are willing to put themselves out to tell you what to prepare for or what's coming, but that just comes with wisdom and experience. And so I wanted to give you a look, your kudos on the podcast. You're not going to get it much more, yeah. uh, <laughs> much more than that. But <laughs> I appreciate he, you, he has definitely, you know, been hipping me to the game on some of that stuff. But I brought that up to say, that the way I was looking at it, I, I was out of uh, um, single family home investing or just like rentals. I'm like, why would I lock up all of this money, right, to, to, to be able to get a check for a thousand, 
uh, twelve hundred bucks a month or whatever it is. Maybe there's a mortgage on the property. Maybe there isn't. I got, you know, I'm the landlord. I got maintenance. It just didn't make sense to me, right? Until it all clicked for me. So if you don't mind, kind of breaking down the power and how dynamic rental, like long term rentals, can be for for those who don't understand. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing with long term rentals are one, you're getting someone else to pay your mortgage, right? Um, that's the biggest key. You're getting somebody else to pay your mortgage. Right. And if you're smart about it, if your finances are in order, if you have a little bit of money, 20% down, mm-hmm. you're not putting up, if you're getting a, a $500,000 apartment complex, it's let's say an eight unit, you know, and you only put up 20% down. You're mm-hmm. the finance guy. I don't know yeah, what yeah, that yeah. number looks like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you're not putting up all of your eggs, you know, but there you have your property, your tenants paying mm-hmm. that property for you. Right. And then, you're sitting back collecting. Maybe you're making four thousand a month, where you could, you know, just after all of your expenses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it continues to build. It continues to build. It continues to grow. Your it continues to pay down your mortgage if it's five years, and now right. you're sitting here with a house or an apartment eight plex that's paid for within five to seven years. You didn't have to come out of anything but that twenty percent initial investment. Mm-hmm. And now maybe it's two thousand and nineteen. It was at the height. And when you bought it for five hundred thousand, now it's worth seven fifty. Right, right. So, so your so just to pause there for a second. So your approach is is to truly look at it as an investment in the sense like what are you actually putting out versus what your return is. So, for example, it's not about that the house itself is worth mm-hmm. two hundred, the building's worth one point five. It's what did I have to come out of pocket with? Exactly. Right. So I had to come out of pocket fifty grand, twenty, whatever it is. Okay. So the first thing you would say. Sounds like you said is uh, is debt pay down. So someone else is paying down the debt for you. Exactly. Okay? That's the first thing. What's the next thing? Um, it's positive cash. I mean, it's a consistent cash flow. So, so consistent cash flow. So okay. with real estate, since 1968, I want to say uh, appreciation for real estate has been 6%. It's been steady. 6% for, year over year? Year over year. Hmm. It's been a steady since 1968. Um and you know you're at least going to get there. As long as you do the numbers right and you're not purchasing some overpriced, you can at least know that you're going to get a six percent return. Okay. You know. Um, so is there some kind of formula you use? You have like a calculator that determines like if you just plug the numbers in. Is yeah. It so with the cap rate. Um, okay. Which is capitalization rate, um, and basically what you pay for, how much the income, and mm-hmm. you know your expenses and operating fees and stuff like that. You always want to shoot for like a ten percent cap rate, which will. In different markets, and we can go in, in, you know, in depth about that. You guys can follow me on real estate with Javin, or go to Javin Davis. Yeah, plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to, <laughs> to get more insight on that. But you you want to get to be at a six to ten percent cap rate, depending on your market. But a lot of investors go for a ten percent cap rate. That's okay. how you know they're going to make money. Okay. Then you also have the one percent rule when you're purchasing a property. Yeah, you just told me about that. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that real quick. So one percent rule is pretty much um, if I got a house, if I bought a house for one hundred and fifty thousand. You want to be able to charge one percent for rent. It should be one percent that you could charge for rent okay. of one hundred fifty thousand, which is fifteen hundred dollars. So that's what that's what you want to charge for rent. That one percent that should take care of all your mortgage or whatever you have mm-hmm. operation expenses and still leave you with a little bit of money left over. Okay. Um, but the biggest thing is I don't care if I don't even make any money from a property long as I don't have to come out of money as far as debt right. every month. Because you got property. the asset. Yeah, it's a long-term play, you know? So, I mean, if it's, a, it's just a long-term play. So the, so the key is, and this is the same thing with, with, with long-term stocks, is if you're looking to get 
cash today or, or ROI right now that you can like play with, then long that's not long term investing isn't for you. It's not for you. Now right. we have some other vehicles that you can do. You right. Know, which yeah. we'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. But okay, so for long term investing on the real estate side, so you got somebody else paying down your debt, you got the consistent cash flow. Mm-hmm. And then you have leverage. And you have leverage. Okay, and what do you mean by leverage? Leverage is pretty much if you wanted to get another property. Now mm-hmm. you don't have to probably bring that 20% down. You're going to probably bring some money down. But now you have that other home that you purchased, the mm-hmm. property that you purchased that they're going to use as collateral for the other property. As long as right, you can right, afford right. it and you know your monthly, you can take care of both. Or on paper it says that you can take care of both. Mm-hmm. You can use that other property for collateral. So if you don't pay or you, you know, they could take that other property. Right. And then you got the obvious one um, that is is relevant in the for stocks and for rental properties is just the appreciation. Right. So like mm-hmm. it's going to grow that ass, that tangible asset over time is just going to grow in value. So whether you want to hold on to it forever indefinitely and get that cash flow or you say, OK, bam, I had this thing for 15 years and and I really wanted this thing. I'm just going to, you know, kind of get out. Markets are doing really well. It's top of the market. Same thing as stocks. Buy low, sell high. You know, maybe I'm gonna get out of this deal. I moved here seven years ago, 2013, mm-hmm. and um, prices were, you know, they were high, you know, and they were getting even higher. And I, you know, I'm doing residential sales, mm-hmm. um, and literally, I think it was I, I saw the statistic maybe last year before before all of this happened mm-hmm. that homes in Charlotte were going 10 percent a year, which is fucking crazy. It's crazy, right? Right, 10 percent a year. I had a guy, he's buying a new home for like 260000 We bought his first home two years ago mm-hmm. um, for one thirty. <laughs> two years ago for one thirty, and we're literally going to put it on the market for like one seventy five, one eighty. Yeah. This is two years. Right. Right? And he probably only came out of ten grand. I think, yeah, probably like ten, twelve grand just to get the house. Yeah, you know, the Ballantine condo, we bought that at uh, one fifty three, mm-hmm. and got out of like two twenty. You know what I'm saying? So it's crazy. So that happens with real estate where it appreciates over time. Mm-hmm. So let's 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 end the debate once and for all on this topic before we move on to the next strategy when it comes to investing. We when we were talking about long term investing, you said as long as someone else is paying down your debt, that's part of the formula from mm-hmm. an investing standpoint, which I agree with. If you're living in the house, mm-hmm. the single family home, is it an investment or not? Um. It's a single. It's an investment if you want to do some leverage. Once you build up the equity, it's definitely going to appreciate. You know, over time, now you will take your dips and stuff. And I always say, it does get risky there, but you don't want to over leverage yourself. You don't want to be house poor. If you're living in the house, don't get something that you can't afford. If, if one of your incomes are taken off, right? right? Be able to in a down market because you're going to lose value in your home. Mm-hmm. Be able to afford it, and then it will come back up. Um, but it is like I've seen, I have clients that have bought homes in 2011. We had one just sold her home. She bought it for like 150 or something. And she just sold it where oh, in your neighbor, in the old neighborhood in Ballantyne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She just sold it for 220. So she bought it for 150. She, yeah. For like 150. So, so it's interesting though. Cause we, we can still see that things have slowed down since things I got out 2017, same price point, right? We bought it like 2013, 153, mm-hmm. got out in 2017 for 220. So if so, that's a great margin for her, but in comparison to when I sold, that means there has there hasn't been a lot of growth in that area in the past three years. They've done a lot of new builds, but we always can I can never compare her, you know, a property 
to a new bill. If it's 2011, going to get something that's 2019, of course that's going to be another price point. Right. And you know why would you why would you pay top dollar for your property if I can get this new one for the same price? Right? Got you. So, but I mean properties have I mean the property values have grown over there, but. Mm-hmm. It has slowed down, which we've been talking about for three years that it was going to slow down. Right. You know? That's why I got. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Nostradamus or anything, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In 2017, I was just like, yeah. And people at the time was looking at me funny, like, you know, what's going on? But I just knew, again, I didn't know when this, what we're experiencing right now is going to happen. And I damn sure no one can predict the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But if you just understand how market cycles work, you know, at some point, based upon the trend of things, there's going to be a pullback, right? An analogy that I've been using is, yeah, COVID expedited something that was already going to happen, but it's almost like if you went to a party, and I said this in the free guy that I gave, you went to a party and a fight that was going to end at 12 and a fight broke out at 11.55, yeah, okay, the party's about to be over in five minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with the economy. The shit show was coming anyway, but this was just something that expedited an inevitability. I mean, just look at it. You have Neiman Markets. Right. Filing for bankruptcy. You have right. J.C. Penney filing for bankruptcy. You have J. Crew filing for bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Mark. What is it? Um, Steve Madden. Mm-hmm. They laid off after two weeks of just the COVID. They, right. They laid off all of their employees, but six. <sighs> but right. six. But six. I had a friend. The only reason I know this because I have a friend that works for Steve Madden in New Jesus York, and she was Christ. one of the ones that were left. Um, she must. She must be really valuable. <laughs> to the company. Yeah, I mean, she's very valuable. I mean, she's been with the company for like twelve years or something like that. She mm-hmm. flies to China and does all this crazy stuff. But um, yeah, so I mean, this is two weeks, six weeks in. These big reputable companies are going and filing for bankruptcy, right? Over leveraged, over leveraged, right? And if they're doing it, you know them. But the normal American right. person is doing it as well, hundred percent. You know, so yeah, it's gonna get bad. Yeah, and, and and when you say it's gonna get bad, you just mean like what? Like people are not like what do you mean by that? I mean, people. We need to be realist here. We mm-hmm. want the V shape. We want to go back up and down. Yeah. We have to be realist. Like, yeah, this is something that's not gonna. I mean, in my in my guy that I sent you, mm-hmm. you know, this is the largest since the Great Depression. Right. In terms of unemployment, Unemploy- unemployment, okay. you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, the Great Recession. They call it the Great Recession. It was only like two point six million people unemployed mm-hmm. with the Great Recession. Um, yeah, dot com crash and all mm-hmm. of that. That was like one point nine million. Yeah, this is thirty three point five million in six to eight weeks of people unemployed. We're yeah. at like a fourteen point five percent unemployment rate. I think what's going to be the telling. The, the tell of all of this is once things get back to a point where the service workers who are non-essential have an opportunity to go back to work, how many companies that remain weren't over leveraged, have the ability to bring back their staff? How much will they bring back? And then when we see that number, that'll give us an indication of what we're really dealing with. Why would I bring back all my staff and I'm seeing that I can function at the same capacity but that's what, relative. What, what, we're saying same you know, capacity, but people are might the staff might be stretched, right? Like I know, like this one company. Matter of fact, company Mad used to work for. Uh, they furloughed, didn't formally lay them off, but furloughed a bunch of people, and then spread the workload across other people, and then decreased those folks' pay. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. It's like a hey, this is what we got to do right now to get through this thing. To your point, if you're a tyrant, right? You know, you're gonna make those people churn and, and make it happen. But for the employers that can. They're going to try to bring that staff back because they don't want to burn their people out, right? Not all of them, but some of them. 
They're going to bring some of them, but what, you know, we graduated in 2009. Right. 2010, we're looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. We're going to hire a lot of temp workers. It's less. You know, I don't have to pay them less. I don't have to do the retirements and right. all that type of stuff. we got to keep our cash down. We just mm-hmm. learned that we were over leveraged. We can't bring everybody back. We'll bring our key people back, and then we're going to do temp workers. So there will be temp workers, but people aren't going to have the same benefits that they had before. People, These companies are going to cut back on what they're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair. Fair. What's up, guys? George Paul here, founder of the Melanin Million Movement. Did you guys know that the Melanin Million Movement is on a mission to help 100,000 people of color invest their first or next $1,000 in the stock market, effectively creating $100 million of new wealth among people of color? If you haven't heard about it, head over to melaninmoney.com. Check out the Get Started page. There's also some great apparel on the site to help you spread the word without having to say a thing. All right. So now that we, we've, we've gotten a comparison of, of long-term investing in real estate and in stock market, right? So long-term rentals in comparison to long-term, you know, blue chip investing. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about like getting this short-term bag, right? Mm-hmm. So like I know in the stock market, you know, we, we call it trading, right? So it's like being able to get in and out of the markets, reading the charts, knowing, hey, this is a great buy opportunity. This is a great sell opportunity. And you might make these sales daily or weekly. So there's swing trading and there's day trading. Swing trading is I might hold the trade for a few days. Day trading is day trading, right? Self-explanatory. And that's kind of how you, that's when you're trying to make your living in the market, right? So like long-term investing, real estate and stocks, you're not necessarily making your living, you're building your wealth, mm-hmm. right? Day trading, you're making your living. Like this is how I eat every single day, right? Um, in the stock market. So what is, would you say is the equivalent or comparison in the real estate market? So short term, not I would say day trading, but for the comparison for just short term trades, and we're talking three to six months. Yeah, just short term. Okay. We were talking about fix and flips. Okay. All right. Where you, you take a piece of property, you buy it, you get it for 70000 you put 40000 50000 in, and then you mm-hmm. sell it for one eighty, depending on what market you're in. Sure. You make your quick twenty thirty, you know, $30,000, mm-hmm. and you move on. Um, that's what we have, you know? I mean, right. And you can do that, and, and those are and those are good investments. You just have to think and make sure that you're looking at it as a grand scheme that mm-hmm. this is what it's going to be. It's a solely a fix and flip. You got to right. get in there and change your mind. And like, oh, maybe I can rent this out because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't market it for that. Right. So, that makes sense. And so do you, so do you like fix and flips? I, I mean, I love fix and flips now. And I think we're going to go into what wholesaling is. Yeah. You know, there's, I like to do fix and flips and then, you know, I got introduced to this thing called wholesaling Mm -hmm. where I can still get this property Mm -hmm. for, you know, 70, 50,000. Let's say I can still get this property for 50,000. Right. And I have it at the lowest of the lowest. And Mm -hmm. I know that it's really worth, I can sell it for 80,000 and it'd still be a good investment for an investor. Right. Instead of me fixing and flipping and and putting the 30,000 in to make it, you know, fixing it up. Let me just go ahead and sell this contract mm-hmm. that I got for fifty. Sell it to somebody for eighty and make my thirty k, and walk away instead of the time and the investments of managing crews and right. and all of that type of stuff. Right. Um, and then it taking six months 
for me to even sell it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I like fix and flips. There's people that do it. It's glamorous. It's grimy, you know. And <laughs> but it, it's glamorous and grimy. That's funny. It's glamorous and grimy, yeah. you know, because you watch these HGTVs and right. they, they show you that. You know, they'll show you the big gains. Mm-hmm. But it's, a lot, it's a lot of work that goes into it. But I saw this meme, and it probably will mean more to you than it would to me. But it was like a wholesaler ARV versus like the actual ARV. Like wholesalers be finessing the ARV. Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, I had one we did. It was off in Wesley. I think it was Wesley Hills. Wesley, Wesley Heights. Heights. Yeah, Wesley yeah, yeah. Heights. We got it for, I talked to the guy down. It was actually a, a wholesaler brought it to me. Yeah. And and I'm so mad. I'm still mad at this. That's why I can spit it off to you. <laughs> I talked him down to like 64, 64 cash, mm-hmm. right? Talked him down a little bit more to like 59. Yeah. I, I sold it to a guy for 64, made my little quick little change. Mm-hmm. Two months later, I go and look at, let me just check on this house on Allegheny. I, I know where the street is. Yeah, you still feel it. Still yeah, I'm still it. feeling it. Yeah. Sold for one twenty four. Damn. I call it like you know. Did you fix it up? No, no, no. <laughs> he got it for sixty four thousand. Put it on the market. So this is the different. Now you put it on the MLS where everybody wants to look at. Yeah. It. yeah. Once it goes on the MLS, I always say it's a bad deal. Just for an investor. Investor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and, and real quick before we finish the story, well, I do want to hear the story. And I was literally putting this on my story the other day on Instagram. And like that's like. That's the power of relationships because, like in in my world or just investing in general, you have like private equity, mm-hmm. right? It's like imagine we have to get in on deals before they go to the market, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's essentially what, what you're saying. This is you know what, what I'm saying? Doing, yeah. It's like finding the deals before they hit the market because imagine if you were, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's college roommate. He's like, "Yo, bro, your parents, you need to take your parents to drop ten bands on on Facebook real quick." So private equity is really relationships or you have to be accredited, mm-hmm. right? If you're, if you're in a relationship, you're going to be able to get on what we call the friends and family round where you don't have to be accredited. You don't have to have any special credentials. Basically, you're an angel investor, right? It's like, hey, look, I'll put up 5K, 10K, whatever. Um, and then you're able to get in on these deals before they ever reach the market, mm-hmm. right? And then based upon what happened through the Obama alleg- uh, legislation, now, you know, everyday investors can get in, involved in some of these investments, crowd funds, things of that nature. And so that's when you want to get on get in on those deals. But I just wanted to say that real quick because he was because you were saying but when it hits the MLS, i.e. y'all's version of the market where everybody has access to it publicly. Mm-hmm. That's when it's like, quote unquote, a bad deal. Yeah, I'm putting it on the market. I'm putting it on MLS if I can't get it off to my initial investors. You know, mm-hmm. that's when I'm going to put it on there and then somebody's going to purchase it. It's going to be an investor that wants to start off doing it, and they're going to purchase it there. Or it's going to be that that family that wants, like, oh, I'll do a fixer, you know, fixer up. Or I'll put thirty grand in, and they, and they fix it up and live in it. Yep. But, yeah. So, anyways, he sold for like one hundred and twenty-four thousand, made a quick sixty within two months. Damn. And so, like, and I was just getting in the game, so I didn't know. So you didn't know any better. I didn't have a capital to, to to pay the you know the fifty-nine that I was going to get it for. Yeah. And I would have really made money. So, so, the, so you bring up a good point, and we can formally transition into the comparison of, of wholesaling versus what the equivalent is in stock market. But so, in wholesaling, it sounds like there's a couple ways to mm-hmm. do it, right? One way is like, okay, I can, and he, I'm, I'm going to give context based upon my limited knowledge. So, I go to Miss Sue's house, you know, uh, they're gentrifying the area. She's had the house for 20 years, and she, you know, or she has it paid off, and she, you know, husband passed away, and you know, 
didn't save a whole lot for a time. I'm really painting a good picture here. No, you really um, you know, didn't didn't save I'm a lot. Looking for, I'm looking for Yeah, <laughs> Miss Sue. Where you at, yeah, Miss Sue? Miss Sue um, didn't save a whole lot for retirement. She's living okay, but just but this doesn't even know this exists. She's like, well, you know, so someone comes in, you know, like Miss Sue, and they, let's say they have their best interest in mind, because unfortunately a lot of people don't, right? Mm-hmm. They come in and they say, Hey, you know, Miss Sue, I don't know if you know this or not, but like, you know, I know you've been in the neighborhood for quite some time, but make some changes to the neighborhood, you know, values are going up and, and you're sitting on, you know, a decent little value here. And, you know, I don't know if it'd be worth it to you, but like, if you wanted to sell your house, you could walk away with a check for X amount of dollars, you know what I'm saying? And now you can live comfortably for, you know, the rest of your life in retirement and, and, and everything's good, mm-hmm. right? And so you come in and basically paint that picture for as the wholesaler and you get her to agree to selling her house for 80000 mm-hmm. right? She get a check for 80000 she's free and clear, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. You know, through your own research, that someone else will buy this as an investor, whoever will buy this house, one one twenty five. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So then, at that point, you're controlling the contract, mm-hmm. right? To you have the right to sell, which is the same thing as options trade. You have the right to sell this house for one twenty, mm-hmm. and you already have a contract in place that says she's okay with getting eighty. Is that? Mm-hmm. In, in its most high level perspective, is that how kind of how it works? That's how it works. Okay. You know, um, yeah, man, yeah, that's pretty much how it works, and that's kind of how we do it. And, um, you know, sometimes you know, I've had one where I was actually coming in as just, uh, I was doing wholesale, and I had a pre foreclosure list, and mm-hmm. I was calling a lot of people up. And um, this girl, I remember her name, she's, young, she's a young girl. She had a, yeah. a sister that was in college. She was, you know, just. Her parent, her mom had died, mm-hmm. left them with the house. Um, it was one of those Habitat for Humanity homes that they had bought. So, you know, yeah. clearly she worked hard for it. Mm-hmm. And um, she's about to lose it. You know, electricity wasn't on. They were still standing. They were thugging out of there. I wanted no electricity. Yeah, no electricity. It was like three pit bulls. Oh, Jesus you know, Christ. 30, about 20, 20 people around the house in the yard. And I walked up there just <laughs> on some, just some real G stuff talking to her because they had a lot of offers for the house. I think mm-hmm. it, was, it, was the, it was worth 140 on the market 140 mm-hmm. somebody was trying to give her like 70 grand I'll give you 70 grand blah 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 and I was yeah. like listen so I, I pulled up the re- I did a lot of research it took me like six months to sell this house mm-hmm. um, they didn't have estate planning and you can talk to all of that type of stuff and, right, 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 right. but I was like listen you can get more for this house you know you're mm-hmm. gonna lose it anyways but you shouldn't lose it for and not get anything your mom would right. not have wanted that you know right. just that's the good heart of me mm-hmm. and um we put it on the market for like 110 you know we set it for like 105 mm-hmm. she owed 72 on it you know she came away her and us just came away with a little bit over 20 grand spread right. it up you know right. but th- that's how i mean the, just the story is you have to look out for people's interests just because right. i'm a realtor too and i always kind of lead with that because i right. have certain guidelines that i have to lead by um because you have a you have a license because you can be a wholesaler without being a realtor yeah you, can, you don't but, have to but have because you have a license you got to kind of that spills over the 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 what's that compliance, if you will, kind of spills over into how you do business in the industry as a whole. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, right. and it goes back to gentrification that we want, we, you know, we want to buy back our block and, you know, mm-hmm. we can see the people are getting moved out and, and right. they're dangling some cash in their face and which mm-hmm. is not really what they need. But, you know, I I still get it at a lower price. I say, what are you comfortable with? What do you need to survive with? That's how I lead it. What ah, you, okay. What are you comfortable with making? What do you need to survive? I know I need to still make my money too, mm-hmm. but whatever you're comfortable with, I'm going to make sure I get you that. And then whatever is left over yep. is for me. Gotcha. You know? Okay. So that makes sense. So you, so they say I'm comfortable with, well, 90, mm-hmm. right? You know, you end up selling it in this example for 130. Mm-hmm. You get the difference. Yeah. 
Okay, got it. So so that's so that's a perfect segue. Uh, we've kind of already talked about it, but so in the stock market, we have something called options trading. Right. Right. Where if I'm the person who's selling the contract, right, I have the I have the right to buy or the right to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying I'm the one that's in control. In in your environment, you're the one that's controlling the contract, right? She can't undercut you once she signs, and it's as long as it's in that window of time of the contract, she can't say, "Well, damn, he's gonna sell it for one I'm gonna go ahead and you know, say, cut my man out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do that if it's if it's if the contract's been signed, right? Okay, got it. So same thing in in the stock market, right? So it's like I could essentially not own the stock, right? But I could say similar to the situation, you you didn't own the house. I could not own the stock, but I could write a contract that says, "Hey, look, you know." I believe that this is going up in value and I want the right to buy it at this price if it if it re, if it goes up to a certain price, right? Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what options trading is. And there's other variations of it. Let's just look at this one. And so the person who buys that contract is like, mm, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to go up in that value. So the way that it works is essentially when I'm selling that contract as the person who's writing the option, what happens is I they get a premium, mm-hmm. right? To say like, and because if it doesn't go up to that price, nothing happens. It's like so they got a premium from me because I wanted to own the right to be able to buy at a certain price, right? Even when it goes up. So if it doesn't go up, they get a cut, little piece of change, right? To be able to basically have that uh, to buy that options contract from me. And if it does go up, right? Then what I get is the ability to buy it at a certain price. And now that stock might have gone up to crazy levels but mm-hmm. i get to buy it at a certain threshold and if they own the shares cool they have to sell it to me at that price if they don't they got to go out and buy it for whatever the market value is but they can only sell it to me for the parameters of the contract mm-hmm. so options trading can be very powerful it can also be very risky mm-hmm. right it can also be very risky so now what are the risks with with that the risk with options trading is that there is there could be infinite loss right so for example let's just say I don't believe, they call it naked options, right? Where you don't actually own the shares. Mm-hmm. So what could essentially happen is me, I wanted to collect that options premium. Let's say I was on the other side of it. I wanted to collect that options premium, didn't think the stock was going to go up or down or whatever, and then that thing falls to the floor, and I got to go out, and their, their options contract says I have to sell it to them for $40 a share, but on the open market, it's only worth 10 mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So now then I got to go out and buy it. For, for what the current market value is, and I got to sell it for whatever the parameters of the contract are, so I'm going to lose immediately mm-hmm. the moment that I make that transaction. Right. So that's the risk, right? But there's ways to mitigate that risk, which we probably won't go into too much detail, but like you can basically, number one thing is, when it comes to options trading, especially when you're selling put options, right? And that's the right to buy. Never sell a put option on a stock that you don't actually want to own. Because a put option, essentially, in my mind, the way I think about it, is I'm basically putting a down payment on a stock that I want to own anyway, and I'm getting it at a lower price. The other person is owning the right to put those shares to me if the stock price falls. But if I actually want to own the stock anyway, it's cool. I collected a premium. You were able to cover your risk because you believed the stock was going down anyway. Then you sold it to me as the stock was going down a little bit, but I believe that long-term, I'm still bullish on it. I, yeah, I believe it's going to go back up in the future and I'm able to get it at a lower price. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win. So I think as long as you don't gamble and you have a legitimate strategy, legitimate trade setup, you're not just like going in like, ooh, I think this is going to do numbers because I like this stock or I just spent a bag on Nike. So 
like as long as you're not making like silly like assumptions mm-hmm. like that, you have a legitimate strategy. Yeah, options trading can be great. Same thing with wholesaling, right? As long as you know you you have the be- the client's best interest in mind, and you understand the 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 real market value of the area. You're not just going in like, dang, I got somebody who's willing to let me get this contract. And you've really done your due diligence. It can be lucrative, but you just have to be mindful. But I don't want to speak for you. What are some of the risks in wholesaling? I mean. I will say the only risk in wholesaling is one, you're you're leveraging relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, of course, if you have the contract and you're selling it to, you know, one of your investors, you want to make sure you you know you're still bringing a good product and not wasting people's time. You know, yeah. I think you know relationships are the most important thing when it comes right. to, to real estate or any mm-hmm. kind of business. Right. Um, then, um, I, I would say it it does take time. Yeah, you know it's not something that happens immediately, um, and I don't know how long it takes to you know make doing an option could be three four weeks could be a month or whatever. Yeah, but, you know it takes maybe like between. I've seen the earliest I've closed on a deal for a wholesale is like seven days. Somebody had cash and said, hey, "I can get you the money in seven days. I don't want to do any inspections and stuff mm-hmm. like that." And then sometimes it takes thirty five days. Um, and then I think the most that I've ever lost is like one thousand dollars. Yeah, on, on a land deal. Because I took the contract, somebody gave it to me and said, hey, mm-hmm. this is a good deal. I looked at the numbers. Oh, yeah, this looks like a good deal. Yeah. Uh, let me lock it up from you. Let me give mm-hmm. you $1,000 to lock it up and give me 14 days, right? Yep. And I couldn't find anybody in that for it. I think I brought you the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, could, <laughs> yeah. I brought you the land deal. <laughs> yeah, I and, remember that. Um, That's like off Glenwood or something like that? Or? Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It was off of 85. Um, and I couldn't get it off, right? And um, I lost my lost my thousand dollars. So I mean, you could put up big money if you wanted to. I've mm-hmm. never seen anybody put up more than a grand, right? Um, but you have to make you know make sure you have a buyer for it. Nah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Cool. Welcome back to another episode of Fix Your Finances, Fix Your Finances Friday. Where each and every Friday, we help you fix at least one thing as it relates to your finances. So this Friday, what I want you to do is I want you to log into creditkarma.com, Experian. Um, there's a ton of them. Log into uh, the website that allows you to view your credit report and make sure there's nothing on there that you don't expect. Right. The last thing you will want is to go through the process of, you know, trying to qualify or to buy a new home or get a new car and then. You wonder why you're getting this awful interest rate and you didn't realize that, man, I haven't checked my credit report in a while. Right. So make sure there's nothing on there. Be proactive. If there's something on your credit report that needs to come off. Right. Address it immediately. Most credit reports will have the creditor or the lender or whoever it was that put the derogatory mark on your profile. And you can call them and figure out what's going on, because sometimes there's stuff on there that you didn't expect. Right. It's not always that you were delinquent or you didn't do what you were supposed to do. There might be a situation where, you know, there was a mix up. Right. So you want to be proactive about that. Get that stuff removed as quickly as possible and clean up your credit. So this week on Fix Your Finances Friday, make sure that you review your credit report and get those unresolved derogatory marks off of there. All right. So, you know, we've kind of given some really good background on the comparisons uh, of stocks versus real estate. Uh, We've talked about uh, long term investing, short term investing and then options trading slash 
wholesaling. Now it's kind of getting to like some of the overarching just like pros and cons mm-hmm. of of investing in real estate and investing in stocks. So I'll start with my pros and you can go into yours. So some of the pros I feel like investing in the stock market is liquidity, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, I can, there's always someone on the other end of the trade, always, you know what I'm saying? And within seconds, I can place a trade and I'm getting out of my deal. You know what I'm saying? Within Literally within seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have context to information before the market opens, I can go ahead and basically, you know, after hours, go ahead and set up the trade that I want to happen when the market opens. You know, I can also set up. When you say context before the market, you're talking about inside the trade. I'm not talking about inside the trade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about like, let's just say Trump treat, tweeted something crazy or let's say a company that's doing a trial for uh, uh, for the COVID testing and it didn't work. No, I'm just making, I'm just messing with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm making sure, I'm making sure. <laughs> it didn't work. I'm like, okay, that's going to impact the market. You know, I can't trade right now at the hours, but let me go ahead and set that up so that as soon as the market opens, I got you. I, I guess my idea to buy that, right? So Still super great. <laughs> super great from a liquidity standpoint. I'm gonna actually remind remind me when we get off the phone, I'm gonna send you one of the videos I sent somebody. Okay. Um, but liquidity. Uh low barrier to entry, right? So, you know, with apps like Stash now, you can invest like fractional shares, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Everybody can be a stock market investor, right? Um, so very low barrier to entry and there's no like credit worthiness, right? As long as you're probably not like a felon or like have been accused of insider trading or anything like that, you can create an account and within minutes you can invest. It doesn't matter if you have 10 bucks or 10,000, mm-hmm. you'll be able to get, uh, get started. So that's a pro for sure. And then, um, of course there's leverage. So once you become experienced, you know, you can, the stock market, you know, based upon the parameters of your account and who you, who your broker is. You can use something called margin, which essentially means I can trade with money that isn't mine. So mm-hmm. if you feel very confident in your trading skills, now I'm leveraging money to be able to make money. I give them their money back and I made more than I ever would have made because I'm using more money. And so as a quick aside to that, people always are like, how do you make more money in the stock market? You just scale up, right? Mm-hmm. So if I was originally investing 5000 bucks and I was making a 7% rate of return, when that 5000 goes to 50000 at 7%, it's more money, mm-hmm. right? So that's where margin can become great because you might not have that bread, but you can go ahead and scale up by leveraging margin. But I, again, full disclaimer, do not use margin if you do not know what you're doing. You feel like, yo, I really think these airline stocks about to turn around and you go out and try to borrow a bunch of money and then, and then uh, Warren Buffett sells all his shares and it moves the market and now you're screwed and you got a margin call where they basically say, hey, look, bro, we need our money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, don't do it. But yeah, so you can leverage through margin when you know what you're doing. And then uh, you can make money no matter what, whether the market is going up or down. So I was telling Javin about there's this index called the T-VIX. Um, and basically the VIX is like a volatility index, right? Where it's 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 when the market is volatile, that's when you have an opportunity to win. Right. And so the beautiful thing about the stock market, if you think about the liquidity, Combined with the fact that if the stock market is going down, I can make money. It's phenomenal in, in, in within the day. Mm-hmm. So as a matter of fact, when what was it early March when the stock market started tanking, the T-VIX went from somewhere around like 200 and some odd dollars to over 800 dollars a share in a matter of two weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's when the market was going down. So if you understand the market trends, you had an opportunity to capitalize on that regardless of if the market was going up. Mm-hmm. So those are just kind of some of the pros that I see in the stock market. What are some of the pros you see in real estate? Um, 
some of the pros that I see in real estate is one that we call leverage, right? So sure. if you, you buy a property, you know, and over time, it's going to appreciate. And then if you want to scale up, how you were saying you want to scale up and get something else, mm-hmm. you can use that property as leverage. Hey, I don't have that much money now, but I have $80,000 in equity in this property that if I do lose it, you guys are good to have it, right? Got it. So um, that is one of them. And then predictable cash flow is one of them. You're right. So I know that I'm charging $1,500 a month mm-hmm. every month. And this is what I'm going to expect to make every month unless he doesn't pay and then we have to evict that's a whole other story right that's some of the kinds right but you know because <laughs> because whenever i place that trade it's going through yeah, you know what i'm saying yeah. but you know you place in the trade but if you're not reinvesting dividends or the dividends aren't paying out you're just waiting for it to go up substantially and it may take a while too right this is positive cash flow yeah every time and it should be between six to ten percent right should be should be. If you, I mean, I wouldn't do the deal if it wasn't. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I could control that. I'm not doing a deal unless I'm getting that every time. Okay. Um, so that's one. And then we have, you know, of course, it appreciates in value. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been growing in Charlotte 10% year over year. Um, and it increases the value. And then it's great for retirement just because it's a long-term play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're paying you down your debt. And if you ever need the money for retirement 10, 15 years and you say, hey, I'm tired of managing or whatever, mm-hmm. you've gained this much money. Hopefully it's at the height of the, the peak. Mm-hmm. You sell it. You've made all this money through the years. And then you still get a large lump sum at the end. Okay. Right. Um and then you always have land. You know, one thing my dad always said, you know, they're, they're not going to make any more land. Yeah. So land is key. Land is gold. Land is cash. Yeah. And um, you want to have the land. Yeah. You know, they say McDonald's is not in the, in the burger business. They're in the land business. We're in the land business. Yeah. Right? I'm going yeah. to lease the land to you, you know, for a hundred years. And we're going to get money for a hundred years right. from that land. And um, and also, you know, it's tax, de- you know, tax deferred as well. Mm-hmm. You know? So if you do have this house, you have so many write-offs and stuff that you can go through. Um, just because you own a piece of property, new roofs, windows, you know, however your account wants to finesse it, but yeah, that's tax deferred as well. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so I'm talking about a few of the cons, and there's not many, let but me, a few. Let, let, let me talk about the cons. A few of the cons of investing it in the stock market, right? So you know, lack of control, right? So at the end of the day, you know, when you invest in the stock market, we'll call that paper money. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like you, when you sell, it's real. It becomes very real very quickly. Mm-hmm. But while it's while you own the shares, it's it's paper money, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, Elon Musk decides. You know, he, he wants to tweet. I think my stock price is too high right now. Th- that's going to move the market. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. with the, within the, with with Twitter fingers, the whole market can move. So that's that's a little bit unnerving, for sure. And then the lack of like tangible collateral, mm-hmm. right? So like, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, it's paper. So it's like. Yes, I own it, but it doesn't become real until I sell my position and then now it's cash. Mm-hmm. And so with real estate, obviously, there's some pros that we just talked about. So I, I would say those are, you know, um, the two primary cons. Yeah. Right? You know, I own it. I could walk past it. I can touch it. I can go over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see if management's not doing anything right. I have the control to fire management get mm-hmm. new management you can't do that you can't go to the board of you know amazon and say it, it, i want to it depends on how people. much you own <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, that is true you know right. but, but, for, but for most people yeah, yeah for the most people we're not going to be able to do that and, and at least with our own we can pick it up and, you know to that point yeah. um so what, what are the cons in, in real estate then so some of the cons are lack of liquidity mm-hmm. you know if you need the money asap you know you're going to have to 
put it on the market or try to do it off market or something like that. You mm-hmm. may be able to close if somebody brings cash within seven days, but necessarily if somebody's coming with a, a loan, you know, it's 45 days, right? So yep. lack of liquidity would be that it's not instant. Um, we said that you may have to management, you know, you have, may have to manage your own property. Yeah. If you don't have the time and you don't want to do that, then you can hire somebody, but then you're going to have to trust that person or that company with your property. And give them a piece of the money. And give them, you know, 8% is probably the, the going rate. It's between 8 and 10%. If you can't get a management company to do 8% mm-hmm. a month, then, you know, you got to figure that out. But, mm-hmm. um, and then barriers of entry with credit and, you know, the time and the process to finding deals, wholesaling. It, I made it sound easy. I made it sound like there's big gains, <laughs> but you know, I may have called a hundred people to get two deals. Right, you know? right. So I mean, it's you have to be committed and consistent with it, mm-hmm. or you you won't. So that you know, the time process. If you want to do an option trade, you can just put it in. You think about it for ten minutes and then just right. call and put it in. Right, right. That's not the case. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, the barrier entry as far as credit. If you're taking a loan out, you know, mm-hmm. of course, qualify. You, yeah, you got to qualify. You got that good credit. You have to have, you know, it used to be three, three to five percent down payment. If it was your first property, if it's your second, you need twenty percent down. Um, so yeah, that would be that, those would be probably the cons of it, which are not bad cons. It's you know, real estate's for certain people and stocks for certain people. <laughs> and yeah, I mean that's that's a nice graceful way to to say that there is more cons when it comes to investing in real estate. But cool, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll live with that. But all of my kinds are controllable by me. Your kinds aren't mm, controllable no, by you. No, the lack of liquidity. I don't know if that's something you can control, right? Like you own that. Well, asset. I, I mean, I already know that. The only one that you have over me is the liquidity saying that you can get it out quick when it comes to long-term investments. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll go back and formally do the tally, but I think I think we got you beat here. Um, <laughs> but the more of the story is, guys, you know, whether you're investing in stocks, whether you're investing in real estate, you can see the con- conceptually investing there's a lot of trends Mm -hmm. a lot of similarities you just got to kind of break it down um and you do have the right to choose right so not only do you have the right to choose whether i want to be a stock guy or girl or a real estate guy or girl you have the right to choose within that industry how you want to invest right or maybe you know you want to be diversified because you know if all you have is the long-term play and you need some cash maybe you need to maybe you do need to have access to some wholesaling so maybe even within the industry you can diversify so there's a lot of options and you could potentially do both. It doesn't necessarily have to be either or. Um, and of course, you can always lean on a professional if you don't want to do any of it, right? Maybe you're you're crushing your respective business and it's like, I want my money to work for me. And hey, George, can you help me out? Javin, can you help me out? Um, and there's always that option too, where you can just kind of like not even have to think about it and just uh, lean on a professional. So, And then right now, not to cut you off, I'm heavily invested in stocks. You know, yeah. it, it's tanked, you know, and it's going down to the lowest right now. I wouldn't buy, you know, for my investment strategy in real estate, I wouldn't buy anything, you know, in the next 12 months just because. So let's invest in the stock market. Let's see if it can pick up within there. Yep. If not, I may have to take a loss and then I'll invest when the banks get the properties and I'll start buying like that. So but yeah. right now I'm heavily invested in stocks. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it, it's, it's super interesting. Uh, I had something else to say I forgot, but, you know, <laughs> it is super interesting how and what you can do with it. You know, and I always say you have to diversify. We have, you know, we have friends and we have people that in real estate. Hey, I'm sticking in one lane on real estate. That never mm-hmm. was me. I managed properties for three uh, for three years when mm-hmm. I first started. And I also did single family, you know, residential sales. Yeah. So I was getting a consistent bag being a property manager where there was small or nothing. I think the biggest I've gotten per month when I 
I went from 12 properties managed to 100 properties managed. Yeah. I think the biggest bag I had, like, four grand a month I was making from just doing property management. Right. Um, and then I was also doing my single-family homes. If I get two or three of those a month, you know, that was good money. And then mm-hmm. I started jumping into the wholesaling deal where right. I can do three or four of those and get those contracts a week. I was trying to get three or four contracts under contract a week, right, and flip yeah. them in seven days. Right. And then also you have your investments with passive income, making sure that that long-term mailbox money that is coming in consistently. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so, I mean, there's different plays that you can do with, with real estate investment and also REITs. You know, that plays for what we've always talked about. Right. You know, what is it? Real estate investment trust mm-hmm. um, where you can invest in like data companies, you know, a, right. a company that only invest in purchasing data companies or only invest in storage companies and mm-hmm. things of that nature, hotels and retail and stuff like that. Yeah. I hate to put you on the spot, but do you have any like uh, any favorite REITs that you can think of? Um, not the names. I did do a, a you can go to javandans.com and look at my blog. I did a blog about it. I did like the top nine uh, REITs that are withstanding uh Sustaining from with you know the COVID nineteen. Okay. The uh, well, uh, send me the link I had in the show notes. Yeah. For folks to check out, and of course, if you're on mm-hmm. the list, you got the guide. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Well, I mean, I, I don't think I have anything else. That was that was some really good insight uh, in terms of some of the con- I mean pros when it comes to real estate investing. Some of the cons. I personally like both. I think now I'm looking because I missed out in 2008, 2009. I'm looking to, t- to capitalize on some of the real estate opportunities. We are about to get really, really rich. Yeah, yeah, filthy, filthy. filthy matter of fact, filthy. let me let me let me find a sound effect for that. Like, I feel like the sound effect worthy. You know, let me see if I can find something. Can y'all hear that? Let me turn it up. Yeah, turn it. Yeah, yeah turn that, that's it up. what we're yeah, trying to do. We're trying to get yeah, the cash yeah. register. You know, so we want the cash. Listen, every you know, with all of these recessions, people make a lot of money. And when people panic and there's mm-hmm. a you know a pandemic or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. this is the time for our generation. You know, we've yep. seen. I told you, we've seen pretty much everything that it has to. <laughs> you know, when we first started and when we were born, yep. in the '80s as millennials, you know, you had the crack epidemic, and we were still taking over from that. Right. And then you know the '90s happened. You had the dot com. You had the 2000s with the Y2J, and you know <laughs> the dot. You know, so and then you come in. We had the the, the war where we went to in 01. I was in ninth grade for that. We mm-hmm. had that when we went to war and with yep. the, you know. Um, and then you had 2008, 2009, when we graduated in college, yep. and we had the Great Recession. So it's like every decade we're going through something, and then this mm-hmm. new decade, 2020, yep. this 10-year stretch, boom, we get hit with a pandemic the first month of it. And this is probably going to be the worst thing that we've probably experienced. Right. But at the same time, this is where a lot of people get rich, and now we're in the, the capacity, hopefully, to right. be able to leverage our friends, networks, families, get this money on our own. And uh, make some some good money in stocks and real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, definitely be on the lookout. We'll be putting out some you know consistent resources individually, uh, also collectively. Uh, if y'all if y'all want to hear more different gems on on real estate, maybe we can come back and bring them on for some specific. Like I know there's strategies like the Burr strategy and just mm. you know things of that nature. Just let me know. Obviously, you guys know what to do. You know what reviews and comments and feedback. And, you know, when you do, I respond. So thank you guys for tuning in. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. 
take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Podcast. Whether you've listened to one episode or 40 episodes, I am so grateful for you taking any amount of time out of your day to listen to my show. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show me that you have an appreciation for this content is to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with at least three friends because that helps us spread the word, right? We don't have a big marketing budget over here at the Uncensored uh, Podcast Studios, which is my home office, by the way, but we do have your support. And with that support, we can reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So guys, thanks so much uh, for your support. Please share this with three friends and leave a review and we'll see you on the next episode.